0: listening Dog Media.
3: The Offside Rule, We Get It. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Offside Rule, We Get It podcast. And it is myself, Lindsay Hooper, joined by the usual clan, starting with Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. Hello. Thank you both for joining me um, again for another week. These weeks keep rolling by. Um, We've had a couple of specials of late. And in fact, Hayley, you were off last week. Did you have fun? What you were up to? You had a busy week, didn't you? I did, I decided to go to Manchester for a few days, I got involved in a
4: football tournament with loads of ex-legends, like literally 40 past it players, huffing and puffing on a -a five-a-side pitch, being sort of whipped by youngsters, and uh, yeah, I think they all suddenly realised that uh, they're going to have to do a little bit more work than they do do now. Are you going to name names as to who came off the worst? Andy Todd didn't do too great, but you know, when you have these players, a bit like a Wayne Rooney, you know that when they retire, they could potentially turn into sort of balloon.
5: balloon, Yeah, like,
4: like their fathers. His dad is obviously still involved heavily in football, but uh, yeah, he struggled a little bit. Lovely guy. That's just one. Chris Kamara actually is in pretty good nick. I was very surprised but I think he's one of those people who has so much energy. He's just always running around and sweating and (laughs) getting involved in these things and I went to see Manchester United up against Manchester City. It was a disaster for a United Mm -hmm. fan Um, and I went to see Olympiacos as well and I saw the Liverpool game so I've been fully immersed into Manchester United life and I've pulled myself back out now. Decided not to bother with the Villa game and then what happens? They go and win emphatically.
1: (laughs) Well good to have you back this week. Um, We will get Kate Borset's thoughts on Liverpool in just a second but just to tease you with what's coming up because I'm a bit of a tease sometimes um, shock winners is topic two so Liverpool being top of the Premier League at the moment going into April with six games remaining we don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much Kate but many now considering them real title contenders so I wanted you to give me an example of shock winners in the past who've gone on to win a league just out of nowhere really or weren't really expected to Um, topic three uh, we've gone reality TV because I know that there's loads of adverts coming on with Simon Cowell at the moment and Cheryl Cole's going to be back on the X-Factor. All these things that every time I turn on the TV, I think, oh, another bit of me has died. I hate that TV. But I did think um, we could link it with football. So footballers who would make really good reality TV stars. You have to give me your examples of shows they will be in and why we'll have a bit of fun with that. And Kate Partridge is rounding up things Bundesliga and it was surprising by Munich um, I think it's because they've got the, the legal sewn up anyway, but they actually uh, drop points in the Bundesliga over the weekend. Um, but let's start with Boo Boys. Um, topic one is all to do with the plane that flew over Old Trafford. And the fact that this slogan, the wrong one, Moy's out, was elected by a section of United fans. But actually, prior to kick-off, it seemed that it wasn't the general consensus. David Moyes did a very savvy thing. He went out early, didn't he? He got a very good reception. So it seems it isn't the, the thoughts of most United fans. It's just a small section. And then I thought about um, Real Madrid over the weekend did you read these reports that ronaldo
5: got booed mm, i did yeah it's really strange isn't it because it's like hang on hasn't he scored quite
1: a few goals for
5: you this season more goals than games <laughs> I don't know. it's like
1: 1.01 percentage or something like that average but recent winner of the ballon d'or what more do they oh, want Incredible. and that makes me think is there something underlying there that maybe he's gonna leave um do you think that could be the case that's the only reason i think he would be booed Ronaldo for United manager. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Giggs has been banded around, hasn't he? Um, So I want two examples of unusual head-scratching or premature protests in football from across the leagues. Uh, We're going to go with that first. And then before shock winners, we'll talk a bit about Liverpool. So starting with Hayley McQueen. And I'm going to start by heading to Mexico. Now, a second division side decided that they needed
4: a team photograph. And you know what it's like pre-season. Players have been on the holidays. They've been training really hard in pre-season. They're looking the figure of health. They've got a bit of a glow about them. They've got the new kit on. Their hair's all slicked back all looking very tidy indeed. It's a big day. They know that this is the picture which is going to be beamed around the world on merchandise and on calendars for the next year. This side in Mexico decided to protest and they used their team photo to do so. (laughs) They put brown paper bags over their heads. (laughs) I thought you were going to say it was one big giant photo bomb. (laughs) (laughs) That would be good. They actually put paper bags over their heads and wouldn't take them off. Um, There was (laughs) a side called Calaya. It could be Salaya. I don't actually know how to pronounce it, which is terribly unprofessional of me. But reportedly they hadn't been paid for over two months and they all wrote dollar signs on the these brown paper bags and drew on them, put them on their heads, marched out with little peepholes and would not <laughs> take them off for their photograph. And some of them had written on it, uh, pay me um, or pay me yes. to basically say we want paid. But instead of just this protest, I don't know how it ended. I'm sure they probably did get paid. I'm sure there's been a happy ending, but they just looked stupid and they actually wouldn't. Go and do a normal lineup of the whole team, but I guess it got them pressed didn't it and, and and it's the press that you need to sometimes highlight the problem further to make sure they got paid. so there you go brilliant We'll come back to you for more in a second. Kate will say next.
5: Well, on the subject of booing, I should point out that on the brilliant com, there's a blog that's just gone up by Alex Weeks, and it's called To Boo or Not To Boo. Oh. You get it? Like it? Um, and she was inspired to write that after a section of West Ham fans booed Sam Allardyce after they won against Hull. I mean, it's ridiculous. Happened last week, didn't it? Incredible to boo your own team after you've won sinks to a new low for me anyway
1: yes well that'll be some good reading for me on the train I like reading all these blogs on the train but carry
5: on <laughs> um, let's talk about AC Milan's fans not happy with Clarence Sadoff their manager about 300 fans waited before uh, their game which was a home defeat to Palmer. so not a great result there but before the game they protested when the bus entered the stadium during the game they actually left a section of the stadium empty as well in protest so another protest from them after the game they were not a happy group of ultras although I don't know when you do get a happy group I, I suppose when you win the league you do but ultra and happy don't normally go together for me anyway um, but they were so incensed by it that uh, Clarence Seedorf and a couple of his players Balotelli rumoured to be amongst them and Kaka as well had to meet them to try and appease them because they were so angry about the way results have been going um, I think at that point they'd got three straight league defeats um They dropped down to 12th in Syria as well. They've been knocked out of the Champions League. So... Milan Ultra's not happy at all. What I love most about this is the kind of laissez-faire attitude of Clarence Seedorf. I don't know whether it was lost in translation, but he spoke to Sky Italia afterwards. And he said, yeah, it was a very peaceful meeting. Nothing in particular. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Okay. All right, love. Um, And then he said, yeah, after two years of suffering, they just wanted to express their feelings. I just went to watch. (laughs) Thanks, Clarence. Uh, Really, really well put. I'm sure you mended a few bridges there. Well
1: done. Uh, my one, which I'm going to go for first, I think when you think of fan contempt, this pretty much sums up if you're really unhappy. Could you imagine this happening in the Premier League, by the way? Because um, I'm, I'm going very far-fetched for this one. It's Levski-Sofia, and the manager at the time was Ivalio Petev. So you've got to go back. But um very unpopular appointment at Levski. Uh, that fans, they gate-crashed his opening press conference and stripped him of his club shirt. What? That's <laughs> Is he I mean, is he still buff? <laughs> I've got no idea. But imagine that someone takes your clothes off you. Like in the opening press conference, they took the shirt off him, he sat there. I mean, you'll hope, won't you, that you were wearing a vest that day. Panak, yeah. Especially if he's you know, gone sort of Maradona way. Yeah, so um, I, I thought that was really good. He took the hint, by the way, uh, resigned the very next day. <laughs> oh God, poor guy. I, thought, I really feel sorry for him. Um, another one from you, Miss McQueen. I've got uh, Racing Santander,
4: who've now been actually banned from next season's Kings Cup competition. The players were protesting again over un. Paid wages is a bit of a theme with my topics. Um, But they were basically refused to even kick off the game uh, in the cup. Um, They're a third tier team. They ended up with a huge fine. Um, They basically boycott, they boycott the game. They had an unpopular president, Angel uh, Lavin, on the board, who has basically taking the blame for the financial troubles that the club find themselves in. So they actually formed a line all around the centre of the pitch as kickoff was about to happen. The referee blew his whistle and they just refused to play. So the game, obviously, on television, people tuned in to watch. There was nothing to watch. There was nothing to see. Opposition wanting to play and further themselves in the competition, but no... um, The referee obviously didn't really know what to do, tried to make them play. It wasn't going to happen. And they just kind of kicked the ball around in in their own half for a couple of minutes before the referee said, nope, that's it, bringing the game to the halt. It may have helped the financial situation, but the following year, they've been banned from the competition and banned from playing in that. So it's kind of, yes, it may have worked in terms of getting some of that press to make sure that they did try and you know solve some of the financial woes and help them get paid but they've now been banned from a competition which would have helped them yeah. get money because obviously the further you progress within a tournament mm-hmm. the, the the richer you become um i um i love a good chicken story <laughs> <laughs>
5: Thank you, for any chance. I just had to mention this because when we talk about fan protest, there have been a few. In March last year, the appearance of a chicken at Ewood Park on the pitch raised a few chuckles. The previous May, I'd read about a chicken wrapped in the club's flag, which was thrown into the fray at Ewood Park. And I was thinking to myself, oh, a frozen chicken wrapped in the
4: club's flag. But it wasn't frozen. It was a real chicken. A live chicken. Yeah. Just clocking away, going for a little trip. <laughs> I bet they didn't even pay for a seat, did they, for it? No, we'll just yeah. smuggle him in. That's the latest formation, 4-4 four, four o'clock.
5: <laughs> Forget
1: your handbag dogs up in Blackburn. They like to just take a chicken around in their bag. I mean,
5: I know it's Lancashire, but it's not the norm to turn up Emmerdale style with a chicken, is it? Not only that, but when Blackburn played Blackpool, a Blackpool fan decided to try and upset the opposition team. He would dress head to toe in a chicken outfit. Now, there are great pictures of this guy. How he got in dressed as a chicken, I have no idea because the stewards should have really clocked and thought better. But he did his best to but, kind of
4: clocked or clucked. He was clocking mad. <laughs>
5: All right. Um, but yeah, how they didn't stop him from coming in, I have no idea. And apparently he caused a bit of a ruckus in his chicken outfit. And he was thrown out, not necessarily for the chicken outfit, but, f- but for the fact that he was kicking
1: off in his chicken outfit as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I'm picking on poor Raymond Dominic, France manager. Now, this is obviously a very well-known story that half of the squad revolted Mm -hmm. against him, didn't they? So that's bad enough, and I'm just pointing out the obvious with that. But in the same year, which was 2008, how bad a year was this for a guy? He um, he proposed to his girlfriend live on television, yes. and she oh, said no. That is just mortifying. Yeah.
4: You'd almost just go along with saying yes just to save just, face, yeah. and then afterwards, when you snuck round the back and the cameras are off, then then hit him with it. I think I think she probably realised that
5: his ego was so massive <laughs> that she didn't need to save face. I mean, clearly, no one in France liked him at all. Not even his girlfriend.
1: Yeah, a year in your life when everyone walks out your life, pretty
3: much. Bless him. I'm Gary Neville, and you're listening to The Offside Rule.
1: And we'll go on to topic two next. Uh, This was all off the back of Liverpool, Kate, so I'm going to get your thoughts on this. Straight away, I'm just going to say, surprise packages, Liverpool have been that this season. Loads of people from the outset saying Champions League football would be amazing. Are they now going to win the league? Because at the weekend against Spurs desire wise and creativity and the style of play and if you look at the support as well there's a lot of believers are you one of them surely you are well that was the message on the
5: shirt wasn't it you know believe do you know it's funny because I can't bear to look at the internet and kind of type in and in fact when I was doing, doing a bit of research for this I wasn't even looking at this topic you know All the recent searches, and we know Liverpool are a big club and they get a lot of hits when they do things like podcasts, internet articles, they get comments, blogs, etc. But everywhere I looked on the internet was like, Liverpool can now win the league. Liverpool will shock to win the league. And I was like, oh, get out of my head. Because the thing is, of course, we we were gunning for Champions League football and we were happy with that fourth position. But it's so dangerous because a lot of Liverpool fans now think we're going to win the league. I've got a text here from my friend Susie and it says... In capital letters, looking forward to our trip to Liverpool in May, question mark, question mark, for the Open Top Bus Parade. She's got her tickets (laughs) booked already and I'm like, shh. Be quiet. Please stop talking like that because I love the way we're playing. I love our freedom and I love the commitment of someone like Luis Suarez who right until the very end was clattering people left, right and centre during that Spurs game. I love that. I want to keep the momentum going but I
1: can't in my head think about winning the league. I can't go there yet. Out of all three, I said Chelsea from the start, by the way. I did. I actually think they have the least pressure now because they're going to finish top three, let alone top four. So that's a guarantee. You're going to get top three. Mm -hmm. So now you can play with ease and there's not as much expectation. Um, And with that in mind, uh, we've used Liverpool as our inspiration for topic number two. So many, as we've just discussed, considering them title contenders. So I want you to pick out a team from any league or year that as outsiders, let's just use the outsiders tag, surprised everybody by becoming champion Um, I'm going to start with Hayley. Yeah, I kind of bend the rules on this one a little bit. But basically, I was looking back
4: um, at uh, teams who've won the Champions League and, and done very well in European competitions. So most recently, you have the English clubs, Chelsea, Manchester United, you've got Arsenal popping up in there and of course Liverpool back in the day as well. But when you think of European Cup winners, you don't really think of Aston Villa. Mm -hmm. Aston Villa fans will of course remind you of that famous night in 1982. But it's one of those things that kind of escapes your mind. You think of Aston Villa and you think of an underperforming team. And of course... Manchester United absolutely whooped their asses. Um, but yeah, it was a really exciting season for them. They weren't expected to do well in European competition. And you saw the draws that they kept getting. You, you were thinking, are they going to get past this side? Are they going to get past this side? So basically, they defeated the likes of um, Dynamo Berlin, East Germany's big side at the time, Soviet Union's Dynamo Kiev. Um, you had Anderlecht from Belgium as well on the route to the final. They were uh, berlin One of the hardest of all the opponents. And they actually just sneaked it on away goals to get through to the quarterfinals. They then met Bayern Munich. Now, Bayern Munich back then were just as good as they are right now. They were three-time winners of the the competition. They had an amazing squad. Uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge was in there um, as well. They were clear favourites. Villa didn't just win it they absolutely dominated the game Uh, they managed to keep the scoreline level uh, thanks to and this was the second choice goalkeeper Nigel Spinks and Heroics as well apparently in the 67th minute I obviously don't remember it. I was recently born um, (laughs) so I was only a, a whippersnapper but obviously when you kind of look back it is a really great story and one that I'm sure Aston Villa fans who were there at the time could tell you in minute detail in the last half hour of the match Peter Wythe managed to break the deadlock and then they went on to win the competition. So Aston Villa fans will tell you about this amazing occasion which might not happen again for a very long time. They're not going to be playing Champions League football for a good few seasons, that's for sure. Kate, yours. you'd
5: have thought that a team who the prior two seasons had come bottom of the league wouldn't achieve league success the following year. But for this team, they did. I'm talking about Liverpool ladies. They also got rid of 10 players and signed 12 new ones at the beginning of the season too. So not only did they make that ascent up the table, they also had basically a completely new half of a squad to do it with. A fantastic achievement there for Liverpool ladies. Matt Beard, it all started with him really. He left Chelsea ladies, um, was appointed on a full-time contract at Liverpool... Um, and he basically overhauled the whole squad, made those wholesale changes, brought in a couple of international players. Natasha Dowie came from Everton, she was an absolute star for them last season um, and um, they just started well from the off and what's significant about Liverpool ladies and they won the Super League title by the way in an end of season decider against Bristol Academy which was amazing, is they ended Arsenal's nine year dominance in women's football in England, quite an achievement really when you think about where they'd come from who knows what happened this season and We'll look, look forward to the kickoff of uh, the, the new WSL season. Plenty of blogs, by the way, and activity from us all around women's football coming
1: up. I equally, Kate, saying about Liverpool Ladies because that's that's a great pick. Um, and the fact that, by the way, can I say, isn't it weird that they play their Champions League football way after the next season has finished? Mm. So um, let's talk about surprise packages in the Champions League because it's just inspired me. You're talking about women's football when Wolfsburg uh, last season beat um, FC Leon in the final. Who saw that coming? And Wolfsburg and German football just experienced such <laughs> a great year, didn't it? 2013, ding dong. Um, maybe Birmingham City ladies because they're mm. now through to the semi-finals. Maybe Maybe they will be the surprise Mm. package this year in the Women's Champions League. Beating Arsenal as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, we'll go off the women's football there and I will bring up a team... We all know uh, it's when I say outsiders. I suppose I'm bending the rules here, then Haley. To be honest, if if I'm accusing you of doing it, then I've done it as well. Um, a very famous year, two thousand and twelve, the year that Manchester City for the first time in goodness knows how knows how long uh, win the Premier League. Well, it was the story to that tale, which I think was interesting because City were five points ahead at the end of October. Then United had a somewhat of a comeback. Uh, they got level peggings, and by the tenth of April, which is sort of right about the time we're approaching now eight points separated the two sides in first and second and united were ahead they had the clear advantage they had the experience they were champions elite you know everybody thinking that manchester united have got this sewn up eight points clear so i think the surprise that i'm telling you in this package is that in the title race it took a big twist uh, and that came when manchester city Beat Wolves 2-0. To move within three points of leaders, Manchester United. Uh, They blew a two-goal lead, drawing four-all with Everton. Of course, these two big rivals and Manchester dividing into red and blue and everyone deciding. I could not believe that going down to goal difference, when you read back on the point system, that it got that far, that United didn't see it out. So you must have been kicking yourselves that season, Hayley. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's take a break there. Let's hear from Sean Thorne, Twitter topic of the week. (laughs)
3: Twitter Topic of the Week. We're talking best goalkeeper goals on Twitter Topic of the Week this week. After Kasper Schmeichel was officially confirmed as the goal scorer of the equaliser against Yeovil Town. So we wanted to hear your guys' favourite goalkeeper goals. Alex Wormel's gone for Mark Poom for Sunderland versus Derby. Or Pat Jennings against Manchester United. Uh, Beware Flying Footy has gone for Adam Federici's goal for Reading against Cardiff City. A few of you have gone for this one. Uh, Johnny Gallagher and uh, Six Music Chris has gone for Jimmy Glass's goal scored on the last day of the season to keep Carlisle up. Six Music Chris saying it's probably one of the most important goals for any club ever. Uh, Zaheer has gone for Tim Howard. He asked, did Tim Howard score a goal wind assisted last season? He did. He took a goal kick which went straight over the head of the opposition keeper straight into the goal. And Holly Allen says she always remembers when Paul Robinson scored when he was at Spurs. Somehow, managed to bounce over the defenders and the keeper. My favourite goalkeeper goal? Probably in our school year nine house matches. Owen Appleby stepping in for our keeper, who got suspended for swearing at a teacher. And in the final minutes of the game, comes up to the opposition penalty area, thinks he's Wayne Rooney as a go from about 25 yards, top right-hand corner. Hero of the school for about two days. Marvellous scenes. Cheers to everyone who's got in touch for Twitter Topic of the Week this week and I'm going to hand you back to the girls.
1: Thanks very much for that, Sean. So one more topic to get through, ladies. Um, thank you very much for getting in touch with Twitter Topic of the Week. If you have given us your thoughts, you can do that every week. At Offside Rule Pod is our Twitter handle. Uh, we're going to now talk reality TV stars. Um, you can't escape reality TV any year now. It just dominates, doesn't it? I, I must admit, I'm not a big fan. I was thinking, let's pick plenty of characters in football Mm. who we think could be assigned to a reality tv show and would be good value in it Mm. so explain your choices as to who you've chosen and why um this is going to be around robin who would like to go first okay well i'm going to start my pitch for
5: footballers to go into reality tv shows right now with david beckham apparently since he's been retired I know he's got a massive project on, but since his retirement, he's been doing a lot of cooking. I'd like to see him up against Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry in the Great British Bake Off.
4: Haley, I'm going to stick Gary Neville in with a bunch of the rich kids of Beverly Hills, yes. OK? <laughs> He drives a Toyota Prius. He has an eco-friendly home. He is not flashy. He is straight-talking. He would put a few of those mm. kids in their place. He would make them realise the value of money. And he is a successful person who doesn't need an Hermes belt, a £60,000 Hermes bag with Gucci loafers and chinos from Louis Vuitton with a shirt made out of probably alligator skin to show that you are successful. He wears a Marks & Spencer suit and he does his job brilliantly and he would talk some sense into these silly children.
1: And um, the back of that I think I would put because he's a bit of a chameleon I'd put Joey Barton in Made in Chelsea because he'd suddenly start speaking with a little bit posher and a little bit more of a plum in his mouth because he likes to do that he just associates himself and he'd talk philosophy around the dinner table wouldn't he darlings yes (laughs) well on Joey Barton I thought brilliant he's already got
5: the haircut I'm going to put him in the only way is Essex. I'd love to see him steamroller into the cast of that show with his George Orwell and his Plato quotes causing utter confusion
4: (laughs) Did we see Paul Scholes making a a rare appearance as a pundit on Sky just the other week? It was brilliant. He was straight talking. He was trending on Twitter because he was so frank and just said it as it was. And you were kind of sitting there thinking, wow. Don't hold back, Paul. So Simon Cowell, he's gone a bit soft. He's a new dad. He's photographed on the front pages of uh, newspapers and magazines holding a little baby. And I'm just wondering if he's still going to cut it. Is he still going to be as ruthless as he was? So I'm going to put Paul Scholes in a lineup of the X Factor. Yes, he might be able to spot talent on the pitch. He might not be able to spot who has a great voice or not. But I tell you what, he would tell you exactly who was going to cut it and who wasn't. And I just quite like to see it. It'd be funny alongside, I don't know, Cheryl Coleman.
1: Speaking of her, I've got her other half or former other half. Um, I'm going for players. We know that this has been a bit of a trend, certainly in tabloid newspapers over the years. There have been quite a few players that have been caught cheating, haven't they? We like to call it indiscretions. Indiscretions, yes. Um, and up until quite recently they try and keep it out of the papers but there's one man who's got indiscretions of his own so he's not being able to keep it out of the press anymore Um, but anyway um, I'm going to go with uh, John Terry Ashley Cole yes there is a theme Wayne Rooney Mm -hmm. Olivia Giroux more recently Peter Crouch Jermaine Defoe Stuart Downing the list could go on couldn't it but they're all going to go to my celebrity Love Island I think this show ended a long time ago but I think it would be great Mm -hmm. who do you think would do the best out of these players I'd love to put them in with a bunch of men and just see them get so desperate
5: to get their rocks off that they end up copping off with each other. Oh, Oh, that's
4: not going to happen. Pull the curtain back kind of blind date style and their jaws just dropping when they saw a whole load of men from, I don't know, the good boys of the Premier League like your Michael Carricks and your... You know, yeah. those that are happily married thinking, but where are the girls? Mm.
1: I just think that they should reveal the granny and all her all her friends from her oh, retirement oh, home. <laughs> I'm only really joking. Crazy. I am only joking. Um, so that one's mine. We'll roll on. I really want to put AVB
5: in the jungle. Simply, because let's see where your stats get you now,
4: Buster. <laughs> what about every single Premier League manager in a big brother house? Just watch them for a week. I'd like to see who be- who is the natural leader. There's always one and there's always little groups formed, aren't there as well? So I'd like to see who pairs off with who and who's the lonely one? Who's the first one to cry? Who's the one who has toilet issues? Who's the one that is most open in that
1: big... Diary chair. I'd like to see who does the shopping budget because then we know who actually does deal with transfers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Let's go with The Jump. Uh, quite a new reality TV mm. show, if you saw it, Davina McCall, Channel 4, um, lots of winter sports. And I'm thinking the jump, which is the bit that defines it, I think. I only actually dipped into this programme once, but there was a bit where they, they choose the, yeah, the difficulty sorry, and yeah. they, they do that. I was thinking we need a good jumper, someone who's fearless, mm. someone who maybe gets a lot of headed goals. I've opted for Martin Skirtle. Oh. Oh insurance probably
4: wouldn't cover that program but anyway we'll we'll, we'll let you have it Jan Vertong and Roberto
5: Soldado were kind of annoying me a bit during that Liverpool game against Spurs the other day so do you know what I'm going to do because they were being a bit of crybaby and they just didn't look up for the game I'm going to put them in 24 hours in A&E let's see how quick you cry wolf the next
1: time kids (laughs) or even worse one born every minute Mm. how would they handle that I'm not even brave enough to watch that. we would pet a check, safe pair of hands at the edge of the bed, yeah? (laughs) That's the baby! (laughs) Um, And of course, it goes without saying, I think we should just round this off, but someone like Daniel Sturridge or Peter Crouch, renowned for their famous dancing celebrations, strictly come dancing. It beckons, doesn't it? So just before we
2: say goodbye for this episode, episode 32, let's hear from Kate Partridge, who's rounding up Bundesliga. It says something about the scale of a team's domination when the headlines are already less about them retaining their Bundesliga title than about potentially retaining their unique treble and winning five top pots in one stellar season. In the dim and distant past of a week last Tuesday, Bayern were crowned German champions for a 24th time with a record seven games to spare after a 3-1 win over Hertha Berlin at the hallowed Olympic Stadium. Their joy was barely dimmed by the following 3-3 home thriller with free-scoring Hoffenheim. Whatever, it was still unbeaten game number 53. In a record-breaking debut season, coach Pep Guardiola has also won the UEFA Super Cup and Club World Cup. Now the Champions League and German Cup are making siren calls to the Catalan who attracts trophies like a magnetic magpie. But there is more. A Marco Reus hat-trick kept Dortmund second, coming from two down to win 3-2 at struggling Stuttgart. Schalke stay a point behind with their fourth victory in five, 2-0 at home to Hertha. But Sami Hoopier's Champions League hopes look doubtful. Wobbly Leverkusen could only salvage a 1-1 home draw with Rockbottom Braunschweig, with Wolfsburg, Gladbach and Mainz all winning in the hunt for the Europa League. Branschweig's mini-revival also means just four points separate the bottom four as Freiburg break free with six games to go. The title is Bayerns. The treble might be Bayerns, but Europe and relegation remain the unwritten headlines. Thank you very much for that,
1: Kate. Well, that's it from us for this week for episode 32 of the podcast, but we will be back with episode 33. And in the meantime, check out the website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Goodbye.